Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about invitation trepidation, what's a lemon hater to do, changing gift traditions, and post-wedding blues. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on Thanksgiving week etiquette prep. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And Thanksgiving is coming. Yeah, it's like four days away the day this airs. <laughs> and it's a big one. It's like the biggest etiquette holiday of the year. It's a very etiquette holiday. There's a lot around the table. I mean, it is a table holiday, so you think of it as an etiquette holiday. It is also my favorite holiday. I'm aware of this. <laughs> so what do you love about it? First of all, I like that it's a gathering about food. The fact that it, it focuses on a meal together, I think that is very simplistic and very nice. And in a in a very consumer-driven culture that we live in, and I don't knock the holidays that gifts are a part of. I really don't. You know how much I love Christmas, which is what we celebrate in our family. Like I we do Christmas palooza at my house. It's ridiculous. But I really appreciate the simplicity of Thanksgiving. I loved it growing up because we always had a huge, huge, big Thanksgiving, lots of turkey. I mean, a turkey and a half would get cooked, you know. I was going to ask, is it the meal or the together part? It's the both. And then this year's going to be a little bit different, but I felt like... I don't know. It's it's such a constant holiday in my family. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really, really love. It's always with my mom's side of the family. Occasionally some posts have joined us in random years. But it's it's always just been low key. You talk a lot about traditions. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to change traditions, you got to let people know that sort of thing. And I love the tradition of Thanksgiving at my parents' house. Like it's a it's one I'm glad we haven't changed. I'm glad that it's been so I think there have been three Thanksgivings where I didn't spend it at my parents' house with my family. Boy, this year it's really it almost feels like a whole holiday season. Yeah. Are you feeling that way? What's been going on? Well, the tradition is evolving because now there's a couple of families that I'm trying to get coordinated with. So we're gonna do a Thanksgiving at the Senning House and then we're gonna Go to Albany and spend a Thanksgiving oh my gosh, at the Gupta House as well. We're definitely stove topping this holiday. <laughs> That's right. It's true. But it's already begun. Last weekend we were with friends. Next weekend it's going to be the, the Fantasy Football League Thanksgiving because everyone's going to be away for Thanksgiving. So I, I, I feel like I'm already in the thick of it. <laughs> I love it. I've got a house guest coming this weekend. I'm very excited for my friend Caroline is coming. And then it's off to the races. You and I have two days at the office and then it's 
boom, we're right into the holiday. Personal and professional. Break. <laughs> so good. Hey, let's get to our questions. We have a show to do. And let's remind people to stick around for the postscript oh, where we're going to yes. talk about all things Thanksgiving. And and we want you to start paying attention as your holiday ramps up. We would love for next week's postscript segment to sound like a sharing of holiday experiences, both etiquette and non-etiquette. So please uh, keep your etiquette ears out over your holiday for um, fun stories things that happened, exchanges that went well or maybe they didn't or anything you want, feel free to share it. You can call and leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. We want your voices for this segment. So please share your stories about Thanksgiving with us. Let us know how it goes. And now on to the show. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Invitation Trepidation. Hello, Ms. Lizzie Post and Mr. Daniel Post-Senning. Love your podcast. I appreciate the many, many tips you generously share. I feel I am becoming a much better person because of it. Yay for consideration, honesty, and respect. Yay! I love that. Please, 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 someone on a cheer squad come up with a cheer for us. That would be so awesome. Okay. 
A question. I am putting together a fine art photographic exhibition of my work at a museum, my first in the United States since I migrated 10 years ago. And I want to mail out invitations to the exhibit's opening reception to many, many people who are personally close to me or have meaningful relationships with me from places far and near. I'm sending invitations to a lot of people, mainly because I don't want them to feel left out or feel offended that they were not invited or that they are no longer a part of anything that I do. However, since this exhibit and the opening reception are being held at a location that is quite hard and most likely will take too much of their time and maybe be too expensive to go to because of the geographic distance and inadequate accommodations, I do not want them to think that I am imposing on them for them to to feel obligated in any way to attend. Of course, I would love for all of them to come and share a happy occasion such as this, but I feel I might be offending them instead. In this kind of a situation, what's the best way to handle it? Should I just send out an announcement card of the exhibition instead of an invitation? What's the right thing to do? I very much appreciate any help. Thanks in advance, the migrant photographer. First of all, congratulations on getting an exhibit up in a museum. That is truly awesome. It is. And I swear, this happens all the time. We etiquette ourselves right into a corner. I do it to myself all the time. I start overthinking about everybody's well-being and level of um, acceptance or offense at something. And the next thing I know... I'm paralyzed by the by the thought of making a wrong move. And of course, Damn. there are worse problems to have. <laughs> yeah, no, there really, really are. But but get us out of this. How do you unetiquette yourself from this corner? <laughs> I think you can start by reminding yourself that an invitation is not an imposition. This it's is true. Just an invitation. In fact, it is something that is usually appreciated. People like to be included. People like to be invited, and they also. In a case like this, sometimes like to just know what's going on in your life. And there are certain invitations that come with a certain obligation to respond. Wedding being almost the only big one. The most classic example. But this is something where I don't think you have to worry too much about the obligation that it carries with it. And I think mostly people are going to be grateful to be included. They're going to be happy that you remember them. And if it were me, I would appreciate the opportunity to know about what's going on with you to know about a success that you're experiencing and to have an opportunity to congratulate you for it. So not to over etiquette it again. However, I like the fact that migrant photographers thinking about the difference between an announcement and an invitation. Mm-hmm. And the invitation actually does usually carry the, the, the expectation of a reply. There's a hint. So I do like your thinking migrant photographer of instead using an announcement because the announcement lets them choose whether they will go and attend this either for the opening itself or for um, a visit during the duration that the exhibit is up. What would you think about personalizing the invitation just a little bit? Maybe a handwritten note if they're actually going out in the mail? I would personalize the announcement if it's going out. If it's an invitation, it's already personal because you're actually inviting someone and asking them to respond to you about it. So that would be my my distinct difference is that you might say, I know it's a long distance or it might be a stretch, but I wanted you to know I'm so excited about this exhibit. Something very simple and casual that, that doesn't obligate them to feel like they need to come to this opening. What do you think is the difference 
And this is a, I'm going to yeah, spring yeah, a question on you yeah. in the language between an invitation and an announcement. For instance, you sent wedding invitations, right? Yes. Those, those people were invited to a specific event at a specific time and they needed to reply to you in order for you to know how many people were coming. Yes. Your announcement happened afterwards. It just let people know that this happened. So the difference here is that migrant photographer does not want to create an obligation on these folks. And there are two levels of obligation here. One that migrant photographer talks about, which is the obligation of just simply feeling the pressure to attend because you're receiving an invitation to this opening. The other obligation that isn't really talked about here is just simply the obligation of replying to an invitation. Now, you might set it up where you say, you know, please don't reply if you can't attend or something like that. We often suggest that you don't do that because it's more complicated for you. But this is kind of an open event type situation. So that actually might work. However, I think if we're really trying to not obligate anybody, we go with the announcement because an announcement simply says, this is happening. Do with this information what you will. It doesn't commit any kind of request for a a yes or no to the event. And it doesn't tell anyone that they have to show up or that they are being requested to show up. It's just simply saying, this is happening and I wanted you to know about it. And I think that's what I get from migrant photographer wanting to actually express to these people is, I want you to share in this and know that it's happening. There's one difference that I want to highlight here because it's a real difference in the events that we're using as examples here. A art exhibit is often a public event anyway. And that's why sending an announcement about it is different from sending an announcement after a baby is born or after a wedding has occurred. So because of the type of event in this particular situation, an announcement can be sent ahead of time to let people know that this event is happening. For larger, more public events where you want to get the word out, this is okay. Even if it's not a huge event. I mean, this might only be a 20-person event, but it's still... Art exhibits are usually open to the public. Um, opening night might not be. That might have more of an invitation feel to it. But I've received from many artist friends an announcement in the mail that's just a flyer that says their exhibit is starting on this date. It's going to be open from this time and there's an opening party on this particular night. But that's the difference in the types of announcements that we're talking about. This is so taking me back to a time <laughs> when I used to work in the performing arts and I just loved it. I loved frankly, the opportunity to go to these events, big and small. You had another really good idea, I thought, oh about my gosh, a way to what include was people from a distance. <laughs> that you might, you might put a link or, or some kind of information about oh, yeah. how someone could view the work online or find out more about what you're doing. Or you could set up a live link so that the actual party is something that's streamed and you can, you can get people to participate or at least see it and be there that way. But for the most part, you're, you're sending it out in spirit and my guess is folks will respond by sending you their good vibes and their spirit on that day. I like that. Don't create too much more work for yourself. <laughs> Congratulations on your art exhibit, Migrant Photographer. We hope it is a smashing success. Mother, why do you suppose Mary didn't invite me to her party? Are you sure you didn't get an invitation? Maybe they thought I wouldn't want to go to a party. They probably thought I wouldn't know how to act. You will get an invitation to the party. There's just been some mix-up. Our next question comes from a lemon hater. Good day, etiquette experts. I have an etiquette dilemma. I frequently dine out with friends and family, and my beverage of choice is ice water with no lemon. When servers come to take the drink order, I say, ice water with no lemon, please. 
I have been burned by a lemon too many times, so I make sure to make eye contact and speak clearly to avoid being misunderstood. How many times does my water arrive with a lemon perched on the rim of the glass and therefore squeezed in my water, or worse, already completely submerged in my water? Too many times. I wait until a good time arrives and I say, politely as possible, excuse me when you get a chance, could I get a water with no lemon, please? My friends and family think this is rude. They think I'm always sending my water back. They think I should just drink the contaminated lemon water because it isn't that big of a deal to them. But I don't like it. It isn't what I ordered. Am I wrong? Should I just drink the lemon water? If it's okay to ask for another one with no lemon, could you help with some better language if I'm not handling it the correct way? Thank you, a lemon hater. I love our audience. I, mean, I really do. <laughs> lemon hater. I, I did, first of all, lemon hater is self self named lemon hater, which is mm-hmm. the only reason I used the phrase. But I just want to say I think you're doing everything right. I have a feeling that when you say, "Excuse me," when you get the chance, you know, and she's saying, "Excuse me," when you get the chance, could I get a lemon with no or a, a water with no lemon, please? I get the feeling that it is light and easy and very casual. Being a former server, I don't think if someone said it using those words that I would think, oh my gosh, you know, this person is so upset and so picky. I think I would think, oh, crud, that's exactly what she asked for and I forgot. Or I would think, oh, yeah, that's an easy fix. No problem. You know, I like either way, I wouldn't take offense or or like. No, the, the language sounds OK. Yeah. So then the question becomes a question of tone and the tone sounds OK. And and like you, I'm hearing some good humor here. Yeah. I, I don't want to minimize the problem or the, the real issue. I, I think that. Big picture, you're in good etiquette territory. And no, you don't have to drink something that makes you, gag. you don't like. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> the family, like, let her drink the water or him. <laughs> I think that's kind of interesting there also because I do think there's this secondary question of the relationship with the family yeah. that don't like this. Yeah, I'm just like, that one, I'm just, just like, come water. on, guys. In some ways, I see it as a question where the, the, the fresh water is such a low cost yeah. for the, the restaurant itself, for the server, that... Yeah. You're probably in pretty good territory in getting your territory. water right. Yeah. Because this isn't like, it's not like you're ordering a dish and then asking for four different changes to it as we go along, or even two different changes to it once it's already arrived. That is different. This is, you ordered something, you politely ordered it the way you would like it, and it doesn't show up that way, and therefore the correction is definitely allowed. Or or the classic L.A. story where you're half a twist and a this and a that and and (laughs) not ordering anything off the menu. I don't see that going on here. I had another thought. What was your other thought? I think it might be time to conduct a little experiment. What's the experiment? I, what is I'm this? wondering if servers don't hear the word lemon and not hear the word no. If oh. you might actually increase the frequency with which you're served lemon by even bringing it up. So what if you said like water with just ice? What if you just said the next 10 times, I'm not going to say anything and count how many times lemon comes. And then the next 10 times, I'm going to say with no lemon, please, and count how many times lemon comes and see. I have a feeling that lemon hater may be so attuned to the lemon showing up that this may she may already he or she may already be beyond this point. (laughs) 
It's possible. But my scientific mind started to want to test this. But yeah, what about just asking for it differently so that lemon isn't the word being said? Because I think you're right. They're probably hearing just the lemon part and ignoring the no because so many people ask for lemon. And people aren't great listeners. That's a good point, the, the, Dan. The big words jump out at us and oftentimes the little words kind of fade into the background. Even a word that means a lot like no. Oh, man. I like this. I like these thoughts. I like these thoughts. The one other etiquette thought that I had is that there's no need to claim an allergy or to make it a bigger deal than it is. It's okay to have a preference and it's okay to, to try to get your water right. I also thought a little bit about other lemon etiquette. One of my favorite lemon moves at the table, and this isn't going to work for lemon hater, is that when you squeeze your lemon into your glass, you cup it just a little bit so it doesn't spray on other people. And maybe the lemon hater next to you will appreciate you doing this if you're someone who takes a little lemon. I was also thinking about keep it neat. What do you do with that lemon when it when it's in the glass and you want to squeeze it, but you don't then want to drop it into your glass and you put it on your Dude, bread plate? Dude, you're getting geekier and geekier on the other side of this microphone. I started thinking about lemon etiquette. I know you did. And I'm laughing because I'm like going, this is so my wonderful cousin being like, we never get to talk about lemon squeezing etiquette. And therefore, I'm taking the opportunity when we have a lemon question to talk about lemon squeezing etiquette. I'm going to find some kind a lobster question so that we can talk about okay. lemon squeezing etiquette when it's appropriate. I'll save the but, rest of my lemon tips for that. We got question. a lot more shows to go, man. Don't give them everything at once. <laughs> lemon hater, thank you for this question. I find it delightful, and we hope that in the future it's not a problem for you. Let's remember this about water. It's essential to life. It's abundant in nature, but let's keep in mind the time, the money, and the labor that's spent to produce our great water supply systems. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Our next question is titled Changing Gift Traditions. Dear Lizzie and Dan, first I would like to say how much I have enjoyed your podcast. It has provided me with the focus I need to be a good host, friend, and family member, and I cannot thank you enough. Now, I need to warn you, this email is regarding the holiday season, so please forgive the early festivities. However, I feel I am not the only person facing this problem, so it may be of use to others, too. I have been lucky enough to be an uncle to four amazing nieces and nephews for many years, and my sister, who has two children, has recently married my now brother-in-law, who has four lovely children of his own, doubling my nieces and nephews to a count of eight. I am now planning Christmas gifts, and I usually work on a budget for each person. However, this has now grown to a sum I may struggle to manage. I don't want the nephews and nieces who received gifts from me before to feel like I'm not spending as much on them this year. However, I would like to stay within my means. Last year, I made a big family night selection pack, which worked fantastically, but now I feel I can't repeat this again. So my question is, how can I still be a fun and supportive and festive uncle with my new large family while not breaking the bank? Best wishes from across the pond, Tom. Warwick, England. Tom from Warwick, thank you for listening and thank you for your question. Um, 
I don't think it's too early for a holiday question at all. I think we're, as we said at the start of the show, just starting to ramp up and get into the territory where your question is right on time. And I think it's also particularly timely because you're thinking about changing a tradition. And whenever you're thinking about changing a tradition, thinking a little bit ahead of schedule is really your best bet. And depending on how established a tradition is, you might even want to acknowledge that ahead of time. If people are really expecting something and um, and it's going to be different, that heading that off at the pass is oftentimes the best way to do it. And being clear, being forthright, being candid, particularly when there's a question of budget and you've got a hard line that you're dealing with, it's going to be a good part to helping that land well. I think the second part is thinking about what you do want to do that really honors the relationship, that ultimately it's the thought that counts when giving gifts. And there are lots of of lovely ways to make that thought count that aren't so budget dependent. So there might be a moment of, I'm going to do things a little differently this year. There's just more people than there have been before. And that means I'm going to approach it a little differently. And that, that can be the totality of the discussion. It's really up to you sort of how far you want to go like that and then start to take the focus to the place that you really want to keep it, which is doing something that is going to be appreciated by the now twice as many nieces and nephews. <laughs> right. I had a thought, though. I like the language that you used when you were saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing things a little differently this year. I like that. And when you were talking about it's good to be candid about changing traditions, I wasn't thinking, and I want to make sure that you're in this territory too, I wasn't thinking about being candid that finances are the reason, that that's really up to you if you choose to share that or if it's even necessary to share that. You obviously don't have to tell your nieces and nephews, hey, kids, I can't afford the gifts I used to for everybody. So, And clearly that's not what Tom wants to do. He says he doesn't want that to be the focus. So um, I like the idea of being able to say, I went with something a little different this year, and just like you did the selection pack, and I'm not exactly sure what a, a family selection sounds pack fun. night is, but it sounds fun. So I'm envisioning like either simple games or things that the whole family can do together, but maybe it's you know Uncle T who's organizing that each year instead of giving individual gifts. And depending on how well you know your siblings, you can decide whether that's something you want to let them know ahead of time. But I did think that if it was something that was going to be like an event portion of the holiday, that you'd want to coordinate with at least the host so that their timing of the evening or the holiday as as a whole family doesn't get blown out of like whack or something like that, right? Yeah. And I'm even starting to think about all the different ways I've I've heard about and even experienced families handling this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There might be time to have a discussion among all of the siblings about – how you're going to do gifts in the family. There might be other people who are feeling the same thing. Good idea. Open it up. And again, gift giving can be a totally personal thing. It can be a decision you make on your own, decide how you want to handle it, and then you take that course. I have sides of the family that do gift giving among the sibling level and then the cousin level. And they don't worry about all of the aunts and uncles giving presents to all the nieces and nephews. That just doesn't even happen for precisely the reason that you're describing. It gets exponentially (laughs) larger as the generations move on. The other ways that I've seen this happen is that there will be a – a, a very consistent and small gift that everyone gets so that it's all the same thing. And this sort of became its own tradition in my family. There's a particular gift from a, from a particular aunt mm-hmm. that you could count on. You could count on every, every year. Every single year. Everybody got the same one. You'd, you'd pick a different box under the tree and it would be different color versions of the same thing and everybody opened yeah. it at the same time and said, sweet, we got our flannel PJ bottoms this year or our paper folded Christmas ornament this year or our whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. 
we had a situation where the cousin group was growing and growing and growing, and even a tradition like that wasn't sustainable anymore, and we changed it up. I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked last year, but where everybody chipped in to a charitable gift, and then there was some sort of lottery, and each person <laughs> suggested a charity, and then the— The person who wins the chari- their the charity The communal gift okay. that everybody had contributed to, and everyone got to describe the charity that they had chosen, uh-huh. and then it ended up going yeah. to once. There, there's so many—that that, that was sort of an event— <laughs> group gift Did that experience? work with little kids or was that more of an adult group gifting situation? It was older cousin group. Okay, gotcha. That makes more sense. But another yeah, idea. Young, young adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but not like seven, eight-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we could go on. There's so many possibilities. No, there really, really are. But I think as long as you feel confident with what you pick, stick within your budget. There is no reason to blow your budget on, on any holiday, no matter what time of year it is or any gifting occasion. Um, it is always good etiquette to stick within your budget. Do what you feel comfortable with. That's going to cause the least amount of stress and probably increase the fun that everybody gets to have. And help you keep that spirit of generosity that's going to make that thought one that's meaningful and significant for you and for your nieces and nephews. Good luck and have a wonderful holiday season. This isn't a very unusual scene. You've probably been to parties like this yourself. Lots of them. A bunch of us kids get together at somebody's house every now and then and there's music and dancing and just general fun. The only thing different about this particular party was what happened to spoil the good time everyone was having. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question is delightfully titled, Post-Wedding Trauma. This is not our family. And it's not. (laughs) About a post-wedding. Dear Lizzie and Dan, greetings. I'm an avid listener and absolutely love catching the podcast faithfully every week. I recently got married less than four weeks ago. It was a beautiful and personalized ceremony and a really fun reception. My husband and I truly enjoyed ourselves and think most of our guests did too. While I consider myself a bride chilla, Okay, I love that. I was First waiting to congratulate I've you. First time ever heard that. Bride Chilla. B-R-I-D-E-C-H-I-L-L-A. There were a few things that happened that are unsettling, hurtful, and embarrassing when I think of them. One, our groomsmen got completely wasted and could not walk down the aisle before the ceremony. Two, my brother-in-law invited his father to our wedding, who lives in his household, the morning of our wedding day. To keep the peace and not cause even more of a scene, my husband and I allowed it begrudgingly because my brother-in-law threatened not to attend if he could not bring his father. In case you are wondering, we had several of our own personal reasons not to invite my brother's father-in-law. We were so hurt that my brother-in-law pulled this stunt the morning of our wedding. It was clear from the invitation that he was not invited. And lastly, one of my merry bridesmaids made out with one of the groomsmen. Her husband was away on business. She thinks I have no idea, but word travels fast. I am upset with all three of these individuals for being so selfish and inconsiderate. In the aftermath, the only person we spoke to directly about their behavior is our drunk groomsman. His apology, according to my husband, lacked sincerity. And then he, the groomsman, offered up criticism to my husband about the reception. I was shocked. Who does that? This has me thinking twice about talking to my brother-in-law and bridesmaid about their behavior. Again, I really did have a beautiful wedding, and what matters most is that I am married 
to my beloved, but I can't shake these hurt feelings. I feel like I need space away from these people to reevaluate the relationships. Would love your thoughts. Wedding drama. Woof. That is, okay, so I've got thoughts. Ready? Let's go. First thought is those are definitely distracting and disappointing issues um, to either deal with on the, the day of or to hear about afterwards. So first thought, like, yes, those are those are big ones. Agreed. Second thought, I love that you acknowledge that despite these things, you remember having a wonderful wedding. It is so important. It is like so, so important that you hold on to that because of thought number three. Wedding blues are a real thing. I love this idea. This No, this isn't like an idea. This is like legit. And I have personally seen this happen to many a bride. After their wedding, there has been so much effort into planning this day. There's been so much money. Whether your budget is big or small, it's still so much money to you. And it's such a special day for you. I mean, it is really a huge, huge day in your life. It is so hard to ignore the people who didn't take that day as seriously as you do. Here's the thing. Nobody else is going to take that day as seriously as you will. It's just the truth. And it's really hard because some people let the few bad things that did happen, and we're counting three that that our listener has listed here, ruin the vision of their wedding. And they hold on to that and friendships divided, family relationships divided after that, that kind of thing. I love that you actually are saying, I remember my wedding well. I had a good time. Um, You need to carry that through. I want to say that you you asked the question, who does that, in regards to the groomsman who criticized the reception in his quote-unquote apology? Most people. The answer is most people. People do not handle criticism well. I think it's really hard for your behavior to be judged and for in that very moment that you hear someone judging your behavior, for you to respond in a gracious and generous way. Um, I just across the board, I don't see that happen all that often. And I think it's why we talk a lot about on the show how to um, deal with apologies or receive criticism well, that giving yourself time to think is is really important or just to listen is really important in an, in an apology exchange. When someone comes to you wanting to express something that was frustrating or upsetting to them about you and your behavior, I'm guessing if this was talked about the day after the wedding, the really drunk groomsman had a really big hangover or wasn't feeling really, really great. I mean, there are lots of reasons for why that conversation didn't go well. I would use that as something to think about in these other situations. I'm not convinced that the right thing to do is to go and tell every the people who didn't behave well that you were really upset with them. I think it's always an option. You can always express your displeasure or your concern or your frustration with something to someone. You should always feel confident about expressing your emotions. But I think where people get into trouble is when they expect the very best outcome out of that conversation. I mean, I would go into it expecting it to not go well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I hear our question askers hesitation, and right? I, I hear it in you also. And I think that it's it's wise to sometimes listen to those little discretionary voices that pop up in our minds. And there is definitely a difference between when something accidental happens, yes, that disrupts a wedding, yes. And it, that will happen just because you're managing events and not all of us are event planners and we're managing the biggest event of our lives often ourselves. It happens. Without Accidents a lot of practice. Happen. Accidents happen, yes. Um, when you feel like it's really someone's bad behavior, I think it can be 
easier to key on, harder to let go of with that yes. spirit that you're talking about that's so important. And I think it's a good time to just take a big step back, take a good deep breath and keep the attention, keep the focus on those positive things and not not draw those negative things out more and more. I, I, I like the the big picture that yeah. you're painting here. It's certainly a trifecta, an uninvited guest, know, a drunk right? guest, and something scandalous. That's this what is I'm tra- absolutely amazing <laughs> in in some ways to hit that kind of a grand slam at your wedding in terms of bad behavior. I wasn't even thinking grand slam. I'm thinking that those are classics. Like you actually had you had an uninvited guest, a drunk guest, and a smooching scandal. That happens at almost every wedding, I feel like. <laughs> that alone would be enough to help me maybe just say... I can remember it with a smile that that we really did sort of check every box in some ways, <laughs> even the bad boxes. <laughs> no, I think so too. It's it. You're better. You're better off to let this go. Um, these aren't problems you're going to be able to fix right now. This is someone didn't show up for you the way you wanted them to on your big day and the way you needed them to. They caused problems instead, and that's kind of over and and done with at this point. Um, it's not going to help them be better guests, and it's not going to help the relationship, I don't think. We often talk about etiquette being a really powerful tool when yeah. used for self-assessment and self-improvement. Yeah. It is oftentimes much less effective when you're applying it to someone else, and I, I don't see that as the intent here. And right. In some ways, I, I, I like your latitude around the idea it's okay to express yourself. It's yeah. okay to let people know how you feel. But at the same time— in many ways, take it as a moment to remind yourself to be an awesome wedding guest and the next time else. you have the opportunity. Yes. No, I think that's a really good, good way to take it. Post-wedding drama, we hope that that helps you focus on the positive memories of your wedding and let go of what doesn't serve you. Well, the things people do when they have taken alcohol are not directed by the clearest thinking and the most conscientious judgment. Oh, I've heard that before. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Debbie wrote in to give a chuckle at our advice regarding crossing over passengers versus standing in the aisle on airplanes. Dear Lizzie and Dan, love your show and listen to it every week in my car. I recently came back from a trip to Europe where I flew on several different flights, LAX to Dallas, Dallas to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Prague, and the same in reverse. I fly coach. On every single flight, the only way to get from the window seat to the aisle seat is for the aisle person to get up. Otherwise, you'd literally have to sit on their lap to get out. What on earth type of flights are your listeners and yourselves referring to when you say the aisle person can just move their legs? Are y'all flying first class? Well, we thought all the advice was hilarious, as there would have been absolutely no other way for anyone seated in coach on any of my flights to get up. Enjoy your show, Debbie. I thought this was hysterical. I didn't. I, I mean, like, not hysterical, but I loved that it was labeled like that. The advice was labeled hilarious. I liked the tone of this. Like, what are you two thinking? For the record, we don't fly first class. At least I don't. I've flown it once or twice, kind of by luck. 
But I do fly JetBlue a lot. And I realized, of course, JetBlue has the most leg room of co- in coach. So I am thinking of that a lot because that's my main that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> and I, I'll take a moment to very earnestly acknowledge my pretzel human dancer background. Yeah, this is where true. I, I, <laughs> crawling over and navigating bodies in close spaces is a bit of a challenge that I enjoy. But Debbie, you are so right. It is just packed. And sometimes practicality is the heart of good etiquette. Absolutely. Angie also wrote in with feedback about dressing up for grandma, where our listener was concerned that her extended family wouldn't dress up for a photo during a large family gathering that was being organized. Feedback to consider giving the person trying to organize a 52-person group photo. Loved your suggestion to use all means to get the word out about dress. Maybe the insert simply says business casual attire. Then on social media and via word of mouth, give some additional information. Most photographers will want to weigh in on the do's and don'ts of successful group photos, such as stay away from busy prints or large logos or words. Try to stay in solids or complementary, not too bold or busy patterns. Many photographers might suggest to choose a color scheme, such as all shades of blue, whites and khakis, or all pastels or all primary colors as examples. That way, folks will need to put a little more thought into their choice of wardrobe for the photo and for grandma. Thus, less likely to throw on that last-minute T-shirt. Or at the very least, they will be well aware that if their choice clashes, it will be forever captured in grandma's photo. (laughs) If a color scheme is determined ahead of time, those that like to shop may enjoy the excuse to find something new. Imagine some families excitedly asking one another, what are you wearing to grandma's photo? Keep it simple, and most may have something in their closet already. The biggest visual distraction is big logos, words, or bold, busy patterns that have a tendency to draw the eye away from faces and smiles to clothing. All great tips, Angie. Uh, Those are all great tips. Absolutely. I thought, and I like that Angie closed it by saying, keep it simple. Like, she's got a lot of suggestions in here, Mm -hmm. but there's like, just go with one. But I think it makes so much sense. If you're told you need to wear a blue or this or that shirt for grandma's photo, you are going to take that extra minute to think when you go to this event. It starts to bring a level of intentionality to it without being pushy or demanding. I think it's great advice, Angie. Many thanks. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is all about Thanksgiving. We're doing a two-parter here. Yes. Lizzie and I are going to gush about how much we love this holiday, and then we're going to talk about some Thanksgiving Week etiquette prep ideas. Next week, we're going to delve into how our Thanksgiving went, and we're hoping that you will join us by telling us stories from your Thanksgiving. Call us and leave a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. And tell us about something from your Thanksgiving that you wouldn't mind us sharing on the air. Dan? Yes? Do I get to gush again? Yes. Yay! 
Thanksgiving. I'm so excited. Can I take all next week off? No. No. <laughs> but you can give thanks. We have a holiday that's all about giving thanks. Oh, I do. No, I am. I am so, so excited. I can't wait for the food. This mm-hmm. year is going to be a little bit smaller than last year, but I'm still hoping that we will prepare all the dishes that are mandatory. <laughs> Big fan of the stuffings and the green beans and all of the like um the I like the mashed potatoes. I'm not as big a fan of the mashed sweet potatoes. The sweet, like sweet potatoes. And pie. the gravy and the cranberry sauce <gasps> and the green beans. Yeah, there's a lot. And then the pie. Don't forget the pie. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Dan and I are getting excited for Thanksgiving, and we thought that we would go through some etiquette prep for Thanksgiving uh, Day week. And that these are some of the things that you can think about to help make um, this busy, busy, busy holiday, which also has Black Friday attached to it, a little bit easier, I think. A little bit less filled with stress and a little more etiquette I like the idea. All right. Let's do it. And before we dive too deep into the details, let's fly back a little bit and take a big picture reminder that ultimately your mood sets the tone. Absolutely. For all of the experiences in all of our lives and... A deep breath, a smile on your face. These things are your absolute best friends no matter what you're doing this holiday season. Running off that exact point, I would say uh, that tip number one is prepping for errand stress. I'm guessing that a lot of people have on their to-do lists this week hitting up the grocery store, getting last-minute things for house guests that are coming, um, probably some dry-cleaning errands or some laundry errands, depending on if you have laundry in your house or not. Maybe prepping for travel, maybe prepping to cook food and bring it with you, all things that are... A little bit out of the ordinary. Exactly. And I think that when you are kind of going about that errand run, it's very easy between the traffic and all the extra people in the stores and the importance of getting it because we only have Thanksgiving on one day. It's not like we can do it again next week, although you absolutely could. I like to take that moment before I go into a store and just stop and think other people are rushed just like me. Who am I going to be? in this moment? Like, who do I want to be? You know, when I start feeling that loop in my head, go too much into the, I need, I want, I just, and I hear those things and that language in my own kind of inner monologue. That's when I say, wait a minute. Like I'm going into a space where everyone else is feeling that way. Do I have it in me today to be like really positive and, and easy and like, Uh, like a positive vibe on this experience or am I going to be exactly like everybody else? Because you get the choice. (laughs) Think about other people. Be a force for good in the world, a force for emotional good, a force for calm and maybe even a little joy. But the other thing I try to think of is what's my backup plan? If I'm going for the particular marshmallow fluff or if I'm going for that particular brand of gravy or something like that, what... Pearled onions. (laughs) The pearled onions that Dan loves every year. What am I going to do if it's not there? For me, I think of things like I'm going to get everything else I need and I'll stop at a different store. Or I think I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to go to a different store and get the items that I need. You know, think of your backup plan so that it's one less moment in the store of, oh, what do I do now? That's like, so prep yourself for errand stress. Give yourself enough time. If you've got an extra moment, do something nice for someone else. (laughs) Call and ask a family member if you can help them. While you're there, pick something up. Maybe notice the person behind you only has one thing in their hand. Let them go in front of you. Um, it's amazing how 
how much good doing a nice act for someone else can do in your day while you're out and about. I'm going to channel my mother just a little bit here. (laughs) I bet you're going to channel my mother, too. (laughs) Well, my mother developed our children's program, and she had this whole idea about prepping kids. That the more you can do ahead of time to get kids ready for new situations, the better off they're going to be. And this can be anything from reviewing host guest etiquette and behavior. We're going to have people coming to the house and we've got a couple important jobs for you or some things that we want to talk about with you before they get here too. prepping kids to be guests at someone else's home. We're going to be visiting grandma or aunt or uncle or friend. And this is what we're hoping you're going to be able to help us do on the big day. I always liked the idea of the two parts of this. One is prepping the kids for the agenda, really talking with them multiple times about what's going to happen and not just we're going to grandma's for dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon, but we're going to go to grandma's at noon and we're going to have our big Thanksgiving meal at two. That way kids know you don't walk right in the door and all of a sudden you're at the table. It's You want to really prep them for the smaller changes throughout the day that, you know, oh, well, in the evening we'll probably watch a movie together or everybody likes to go for a walk. And really running them through it helps them understand what's going to happen. They might get ideas about things. Mom, can I bring my such and such toy so I can play with it at this point? It's funny how they start thinking about it. It'll help you. But you can also prep for manners. So this week, start. I mean, this is if you're listening on on launch day, it's Monday. Have your kids help you set the table tonight. Ooh, I love it. You know, things like that. Practice passing dishes around the table. Maybe you don't always eat family style where all the dishes are at the table, but tonight you'll do that because you know it'll happen at the Thanksgiving Day table. Or maybe vice versa. You set up a little buffet and you talk with your kids about taking, you know, just enough or, you know, your no thank you portion. It's okay to practice with kids these manners. Really be working on the please and thank you right now. That's always good. Your mom has a really fun one that I love, which is if your kids are a little bit in that shy stage, getting them to practice looking at the bridge of the nose as opposed to look someone in the eye if introductions are what's kind of the focus of the manners right now. And we're at that like three, four, five, six-year-old stage. Because these holidays are a good place for your kids to be practicing their manners. It's one of the most impressionable times they will remember learning about their manners. And there are tons of jobs, like Dan was saying, that they can participate in making place cards, setting the table, filling water glasses, all good kid jobs. I love your idea of paying attention to greetings and partings, Mm -hmm. those hellos, those goodbyes, whether you're arriving or whether you're greeting. I also like the idea for little older kids, ideas like that eye contact are important, not just for when you say hello, but when you have a little polite conversation, that you engage with guests, that you engage with friends and family, that you participate and that you participate well by being present, looking people in the eye, being curious about how people's lives are going and being ready to share a little bit about yourself. Those might be That's really important good conversation for prep. Yeah. a little bit older kids. I like the idea of even, but even and those even young ones. Well, well, yeah, even grownups. Actually, that's a really great segue um, to prepping yourself. We were talking about sample scripts. The holidays do tend to be a time where family issues, what do they call it? Revertigo on a, on how I met your mother. Vertigo. Yeah, no, they call it revertigo. It's when you go back to like whatever stage in life you behaved like with these other people. So you often revert to being a late stage teen when you visit your friends and family from home who you haven't seen since that age. Anyway, 
Practice. Anticipate what might happen. Practice sample language. You can test out sample language this week on a partner or a roommate or a good friend before the holiday begins and ask someone else's opinion.、Um, if you're trying not to take the bait on political conversations, you know, to say, "Oh, Uncle Carrie, I really appreciate that perspective. It's not mine, but what I am really interested in hearing about is." This and then directing that conversation to a more neutral topic like travel, the weather, the food. The food at this holiday is such a good thing to bring up and talk about. Sports, entertainment, right? Books, movies, music that we love. Particle physics. <laughs> it doesn't need to be the weather. It can be your passions, your hobbies, the fine arts. I love the idea of someone springs on you a really tough political conversation. You say, "So, what are you thinking about, like quantum theory, right now? Tell me, dear, deeply." <laughs> I love it, Dan. I love it.、Um, but I think that those are those are good things to be thinking about. Your family, your friends, your situation. You're going to know what kind of the hot points you're trying to avoid are. So think ahead of time about how to avoid them, and if you need language, prep those sample scripts now so that you're ready to go. And a parting thought. There is always emilypost.com to help you. It is the busiest day of the year on our website, and the search term that drives people to us and the most frequently searched things on that day where traffic explodes is table setting. <laughs> you could look it up a day ahead and be ahead of the curve, <laughs> but we're there for you anytime. And please don't be shy. We like to help out. We hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving this week, and that your table is filled with happiness and joy, and a whole ton of gratitude for this wonderful world that we live in and the people that we get to enjoy it with. No matter how much they cause us to write into our favorite etiquette podcast with questions about them, I couldn't say it any better. We Johnsons had a good Thanksgiving. The best we've ever had, and I can't help thinking that what made it better was a feeling, a real feeling of thankfulness. And that's odd too when you consider the shape things were in when I got home from work yesterday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24/7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com/talktous. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today's comes from Ruth. Ruth writes, "I would like to salute Bob Demers and the General Service Department of the City of Concord, New Hampshire. While on a visit to my hometown, I was walking downtown with my family. As I pushed my son's stroller over a storm drain on the sidewalk, my iPhone slipped off the stroller and fell through the grate into the water below.、Ah. My mother ran to City Hall, as one can only do in a small city like Concord, and was given the name and number of the right person for the job." Many shout out to the good people at City Hall for being so helpful. We only had to wait a short time before Mr. Bob Demers showed up. He fished out my phone, and we were on our way. This may sound like a public servant just doing his job, but it was far more than that. I felt foolish for having lost my phone, and Bob was so pleasant and didn't make me feel bad for having done such a stupid thing, or that I was inconveniencing him at all. 
The General Services Department has so much responsibility and a lot to do, especially this time of year, so it was remarkable that somebody was able to help me with something so seemingly unimportant, though not to me, in such a timely manner. Thanks to Mr. Demers' help, my phone was recovered and worked well enough to get us through the rest of our vacation and until I could get a replacement. Thank you, Concord General Works. If only I, every story had such a happy ending. That just, is remarkable. Well, in the image of, of the, the grandmother or the mother running into City Hall, like I know this must have happened right near City Hall, but it just cracks me up. It's like that would not be my first thought. And I love that not only was it the right thought, but then there was a whole actual like the, the town was able to provide someone to go help with this inconvenience. Like, that's amazing. And I like the mention that it's both the service, but also the way it's delivered. Yes, yes, yes. There was this quality uh, to to the experience that was one of not feeling like anyone had been inconvenienced or bothered, but that they were genuinely happy to help. That really set the tone that was so appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that salute, Ruth. And thanks to you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. Become a subscribing member to the show by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. Or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Oh, man.